unbelievable. Yes, story mode. I'll just, just tell the joke again and we'll see what happens. <laughs> the second time. It is nothing. It is um, nothing. You laughed the first time. Come on. There's a classic Faulty Towers quote uh, John Cleese love is talking to his wife. I love that show. <laughs> and he's like, well, my license uh, plate says Monty P, so. <laughs> That's great. Is uh, yeah, he's, he's talking to Sybil, and he's like, oh, do you remember the years we used to laugh? And he's like, she's like, yes, but never at the same time. Uh, hilarious. Sanders. I found that to be funny. Whatever, you guys are. Love it. I've never seen, never even heard of that. What? Yeah, You've never heard of Faulty Towers? Never okay. heard of it. Basically. Oh my goodness, that makes me sad. It, that makes me really sad, actually. But it's fine. Yeah, that's it's fine. Basil the Rat. Oh, that's a great episode. Probably my favorite episode. That and the Germans, but... Getting off topic Did here. you want to do a quote? So they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world out of the sky. Welcome to another episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I'm Nate, lost in time and space of said YouTube channel. Joined with me tonight is... I'm the man from Lang, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I am Nathan Early of the Instagram Arkham Horror Images of Madness and Arkham Central. And welcome to tonight's episode. So, no, so were you going to tell me you were going to change up the quote at the beginning? Threw me off. I know. I will, I wasn't going to say anything, but wow. since you brought it up, I was rude. Now, now I have to say something about it. Um, you've added, uh, you've added a lot more titles to your name since we were, oh, since I? I was here last. Yes. <laughs> that stuff. Titles. Yeah. Or Tetalias, as no one says. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think anyone says that. Quote me. Tetalias. Nathan Early, That's, 2019. I literally just. Okay, that works. Okay. I didn't think you'd actually quote me. Well, I mean, you did. Okay, anyway, um, so, <laughs> um, so um, tonight's topics for this episode, we're going to discuss the recent developments of the Dream Eater cycle, which includes pretty much all of the investigators being revealed at this point. So we're going to go over the new investigators, as well as the first Mythos pack of the Dream Eater cycle, the Search for Kadath. And we also have a couple of things that we want to mention before we get into tonight's main topics. Uh, Nathan? Yes? You said you weren't going to do something. Now you are doing something. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay, yes, no, I do. You threw me off with your logic. So, for the three or four people that listen to our podcast, I'd like to give a humble apology. I had said we weren't going to do an event this year. Because of Arkham Knights coming up and because it was short notice. And then all of a sudden I decided to do it. And unfortunately, if you've seen any of my setups in the game, if I decide to do something, it goes overboard to the, to, to the realm of obsession, um, to say bluntly. So, we are going to be hosting at Guardian Games in Portland, Oregon, uh, our first annual uh, Beneath the Waves event. And it's basically kind of like a mini Arkham Knights or mini Gen Con event. Uh, we're looking to have roughly 40 to 50 people attend. Uh, it's only $5, which is way cheap considering that I'm spending hundreds of dollars 
uh, in prizes to give people. Shh, uh, don't tell them that part. Oh, no, there's so much good stuff. Um, shh, and I basically shh, shh, told all the people here in channel, uh, if there were strings to pull it, with my connections in the world of Arkham Horror, the card game, I have pulled them all vigorously for this event. So I have Brian David Sandberg out of Canada writing a short story. I had a local artist, uh, control, uh, pardon me, Cole Monroe, uh, I can't remember his last name, I'm gonna, he's gonna yell at me, uh, he's doing, uh, he did the art for the event, our Facebook event, and then I've got Drawn to the Flame Mythos Busters, because they're amazing, they're gonna do some shout outs, and then there's a bunch of special things I'm having commissioned, uh, bags, acrylic tokens, art, posters to give away, um, a lot of swag. So basically anyone who comes and plays from 12 to 8 that day, it's a, a Sunday in October, October 27th to be exact. Anybody that comes and plays that day will A, have fun, B, enjoy the community, and C, hopefully walk away with some really good stuff that they didn't expect to get that day. So uh, what types of events do you have planned, Nathan, for the day? For people that do show up good question um basically I, I i need to talk to some people to figure out exactly how i'm going to run this but it's going to be the depths of the off challenge we're going to have the blob that ate everything available i'm going to have a full setup of labyrinths of lunacy available for at least 12 people um people can do iron man's if they want to sit in the corner and see if they can do an entire story arc in the eight hours that we're there I'm going to have a bunch of fan maids all ready to go, so if people want to try a fan maid. Uh, side note, uh, I, I think it was Nate, I think you were the one who linked this, but Return to the Grand Oak, that is up there with the most exciting news I've ever heard for this game. I am so excited to play that, because I love the first one. Uh, and then somebody had also mentioned doing some Mountains of Madness fan-made stuff. So today was a good yeah, that day. Was, for... Yeah, that was me, because you had mentioned that in one of our previous episodes. Oh, so good. But, um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of activities going on. Just be, yeah. be prepared to be surrounded by people that all love the game as much as you do. And, you know, all I ask is that people become a little laid back, don't have a set, I have to do this, but um, bring accessories, tokens, bags scenarios, extra characters, because you never know what you're going to jump into. But I promise it'll be memorable, and I promise I will learn from all the mistakes that I'll make this year to make future years the best they can be. Well, that sounds like a ton of fun, Nathan. So, again, that's going to be... Yeah. What is that, Cthulhu 27th? <laughs> that's the Sunday, if well, I remember okay. correctly? Uh, that is absolutely correct. Octo Cthulhu 27th. Which is a Sunday. It, yeah. At Guardian Games in, in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And because I dropped the ball the first time, the uh, the gentleman who did the art for the Facebook event, his name is Cole Monroe Chitty. I do apologize for dropping the ball. He will kill me. Uh, he does great stuff. I commissioned him to do this piece. Thank you again, Cole, for such a, a great uh, bit of art there. Yeah, it really does look awesome. It looks amazing. Yeah, uh, you you guys will be able to see it when this episode goes live. So, it it looks absolutely great. So, uh, again, that's uh, October twenty seventh. Octulu, yes, yes, of Octulu. So, um, other business. Uh, Vase, you had recently done a video with the YouTube channel Winging It, and you guys did a collaborative uh, Depths of Yoth playthrough. We did. It was so much fun. Uh, we ran. Carolyn and Diana Stanley 
with 49 experience points each. And we just did a standalone version of Depths of Yoth, which has no ending. You just go as far as you can. So we called it How Low Can You Go? Um, and we went for, I think the video is about three hours. So it's a, it was a, a lot of fun. A lot of crazy stuff ended up happening. But the girls did much better than we expected. And the playthrough, you can, uh, you can watch it on uh, Jeff's channel at Winging It on YouTube. Just look up Arkham Horror Winging It, and we'll link it in the uh, in the episode description as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely while you're there, subscribe to Jeff's channel. It's uh, He does a lot of playthroughs with uh, two-handed, uh, which you don't get a lot of on YouTube. So he does a lot of two-handed games, and they're, uh, they're really well done as well. How low did you go? Um... Darn, I can't, I can't remember what level, but I don't want to give it away mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. But uh, we did very well. Let's just say that... Oh, uh, uh, that's a likely yeah. excuse. Yeah, let's just say Gig, <laughs> Gig didn't even stand a chance. Damn. Yeah. All right, <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to find out how low you did, in fact, go. But since you've been busy doing all of those playthroughs, man's actually had the chance to actually catch up to you in, the, in your circle and dungeon campaign. So. Yeah. <laughs> have I surpassed you? Well, I, I, maybe. I just did uh, uh, For the Greater Good, so... I thought you were on... Uh, oh, no, so you're... I am on Union and... Or we've completed Union and Disillusion. That's how far I've Okay, gotten. so I'm, I'm going to pass you this week. I haven't oh, passed man, you yet, but up. I'll probably pass you this week. Maybe. Oh, snap. <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll... Once you guys finish that campaign... God, it feels like it's been taking forever. Right. Um, uh, we can finally, like, actually sit down and talk about that campaign as a whole. But, uh, before we go into the main topics of tonight's episode, uh, Patreon business, the support of the Eternal Lord Robert Bout and his Order of Crazed Cultists, otherwise known as our patrons, help make this show possible, and we are happy to announce that part one of our first Delta Green operation will be live alongside this episode. In this special episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming, Vase, uh, takes on the role of the handler for... Uh, friend and patron of the show, Solar J, uh, his brother Geo, uh, Face's brother Geo, and myself as agents of Delta Green, and join us as we investigate the strange disappearance of an up and coming artist in New York City and the horror of Operation Night Floors. Um, so, to kind of give you guys a, I guess a rundown of what these playthroughs are, instead of being uh, live playthroughs where you hear a bunch of stuttering and other things, I've gone ahead and edited out all that kind of nonsense and I've made it a more coherent story and put some background music and fully noise into it, so I hope you guys enjoy that, so... Woo! Yeah! Um, so, moving into the investigation phase of tonight's episode. Who wants to start off with your investigator of choice? I think that I am, uh, I'm really, actually, quite a few of them have caught my eye, but I am most definitely looking forward to the violinist herself. Patrice. Patrice. <laughs> yep, Patrice uh, looks like she is uh, an, a new puzzle to solve and uh, seems to be the type of investigator that really is going to look into packing herself with a bunch of skill cards and um, cycle through her deck pretty quickly through each scenario. Uh, so I'll just read what, what Patrice's text says. She is a survivor with four willpower, two intellect, two combat, and two agility. Performer cursed are the, her keywords. 
Her maximum hand size is reduced by three, so she can only have five cards in her hand out of the box unless she has some card that increases that hand size. During each upkeep phase, instead of drawing one card, discard all non-weakness cards in your hand and draw until you have five cards in hand. And her elder sign is a uh, plus one after the test ends. You can shuffle all but one card from your discard pile into your deck. And she has seven health and seven willpower. And she, she almost seems like uh, what you would get if you had a permanent brown Jenkin attached to you. Because you're constantly, <laughs> constantly discarding your hand and just drawing new cards to replace, to, to go back up to five. Uh, so because of this, that's why I was thinking skill cards would be great in her because you're going to use those every round for all sorts of tests and then just keep drawing new ones. And you don't care if you discard them because you're just going to keep getting more more cards to boost your skills. Um, the one thing that I, that I uh, think might be an issue is her weakness, her signature weakness, which is the Watcher from Another Dimension. It's a unique uh, creature weakness. Five combat, two health, and five evade. With the it keyboard, sounds like creepy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I love the theme. It's just oozing with theme, and the way the mechanics work with this card are, it are even more amazing. The way they were able to pull off the theme. Uh, it's got the monster and extra dimensional keyword, peril, hidden, and hunter. So it's a hidden card, which means you can't discard it no matter what, uh, other than by the text on the card. And it's a peril, so other players can't help you when you're trying to deal with it, which is really, really brutal. Revelation, you add it, add the card secretly to your hand, and uh, you may fight or evade this enemy while it's in your hand, as if it were at your location. If you succeed, discard it from your hand. If you fail, spawn it engaged with you. It's an enemy that's just in your hand, and you have to constantly uh, or, or fight it and no one can help you fight it while it's in your hand, which is insane. You know, it reminds me of my teenage childhood, I'm just saying. Yeah, and the worst part, it does three damage per hit. And when your deck runs out of cards, if this enemy is in your hand, it attacks you from your hand for three damage, which is just brutal. With a combat and evade of five, I mean, you just have no way of getting away from it. You're going to have to just find a way to deal with it. And it can, it can take you out pretty quickly. So that's the one thing that worries me in in Patrice but uh, I think that her deck building is or once once they reveal her deck building we'll know a little bit more but she seems really interesting with her special ability is she a botanist or what is she what, what class is she um, she is a survivor I don't see anything about botanist violinist 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 oh, that's weird. violinist oh, oh. maybe yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so does she have a violin to play, or she does? So that's her signature asset is Patrice's violin. It's a two-cost asset with, and it says my muse. It's, it's the subtext. It's a two-cost uh, unique asset with willpower, agility, and wild icons. Patrice um, can choose and discard one card from her hand and exhaust the violin, and she can choose an investigator at her location to either gain one resource or draw a card. So basically she can replace one of the cards in her hand if she's playing solo or if you're playing in a group. It's a pretty interesting support card. She can discard her card to have another investigator either gain a resource or draw a card. So that's that makes her a pretty flexible investigator for 
for uh, playing in a group and being a support investigator. I'm kind of disappointed this doesn't take two hand slots, just for flavor purposes. I mean, it's taking both of her hands to play that violin. I'm just saying. Not while she's holding it. I mean, sure, but... <laughs> okay, uh, alright, fine. I'll, I'll concede that point. Or what if she's like Hendrix and she just plays the violin with her teeth? Okay, fair enough. Alright, yeah, fair enough. Okay. I mean, from a mechanical standpoint, obviously, it's, like, totally fine, but, you know, just, I'm just saying <laughs> she's holding it with two hands in the art, so it just, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? It'd be funny if, if the quote, if the quote for that violin was, like, could have been a Stradivarius, but no, F you, Arkham. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stradivarius. Um, so the, the one thing with her, like, that seems, that seems, someone mentioned, I can't remember on which community, uh is that she's going to cycle... If she has a standard 30-card 30 30 deck, she's going to cycle through her deck every game. So she's going to see all her weaknesses every single game. There is no chance that she won't. Uh, so so you, you'd pretty much have to strategize around that every time. That'd be funny if like there was fan art for her that just showed her with like a bicycle helmet and gloves. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> she's cycling through her whole deck. Oh, jeez. Oh, sorry. Maybe she'll be wow, in the next that went cycle. over my head for a second. <laughs> you gotta kind of gear up for that one. Maybe I spoke too soon. That one got a smile out of me, Nathan. I'll peddle my jokes later. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize I was having a conversation with my wife. Jeez. Yeah, can you handle it? What? I'm done. Man, oh save me, God. please. Man, just... We'll continue. I, uh... I would also say that uh, that Patrice would be my pick from of the investigators of all the investigators. Assuming there's only five, I'd say Patrice is the one I'm most interested in. Uh, I used to play Netrunner back in the day, and there was a runner called Max who had basically this very same ability to cycle her uh, cycle her hand every turn. And uh, Max was consistently one of the best runners in the game one of the most powerful runners in the game and uh, was always top tier at tournaments. And so I expect that Patrice is going to be probably on that same level. Um, she's got the, uh, I mean, the weaknesses are, she is going to draw her weaknesses a lot and she's probably going to be taking a horror every game, a horror or two every game if she's cycling her deck. Man for Ling. Yes. Quick question. If you forget to put the weaknesses in the deck, well, then that's okay. All right. All right. Just want to just want to clear that up. Then you don't have to, unless there. I don't know if are there any weaknesses that you get to remove from the game. Uh, that'd be cool. So she so so she probably actually has f five sanity instead of seven because if she cycles her deck twice, she's gonna take two horror. Yeah, that's a good point. And then every time she draws a weakness, unless she pulls yeah, the elder true. sign. Well, but you've got to pull. How many times do you honestly pull the elder sign? in a game like some games yeah. are going to pull it a lot and then others yeah, you won't right. see it at all and how often are you going to pull it and it save you a decent amount of cards true because if you pull it early it's pointless yeah well i mean she does get to shuffle all but one so that would you know that would give her quite a buffer and uh but of course assuming all but one that one will be a weakness when you reshuffle right right so that will give her so maybe she could get through you know with maybe one 
cycle through her deck only once per game if she does at least get one one elder sign but i think you know being able to replace her hand every turn i mean she gets to draw cards like she gets dark horse faster she gets drawing thin faster she gets all of the all of those great survivor cards and i i her weakness is pretty nasty but i mean she's going to draw a fire axe assuming she can use it and this thing isn't going to stand up to a fire axe very long if she can somehow dump her hand and considering that she's got a violin that lets lets her discard a card or a resource yeah it wouldn't be that difficult for her to uh to either gain a resource to power her fire axe or ditch a card yeah, so she could ditch a card and gain a resource, so that just makes the Fire Axe that much better, as well as assuming she plays something like Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think her biggest weakness is just her stat line, really. I mean, like, the Watcher from the Other Dimension is definitely brutal, especially if it attacks you, but I think the biggest struggle, especially in solo play, is the two intellect, is just getting clues. Survivors aren't the best at getting clues, like, they have some decent tools, but... Overall, their investigation sucks. Yeah, i i think they've I think they've got enough. I, I between you know, look what I found and flashlights and uh, winging it now is is a good addition. Like they, it can be you know, a touch and go. But I've I've often felt like they have just enough. But yeah, there's not a there's not a lot of room for for error. I guess the nice thing with her is that if she does cycle her deck, you're going to see those 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 cards again at some point. Or if she happens to draw an elder oh, sign, yeah. you'll see those cards again. So you can you I mean you got to play them or mm-hmm. lose them. So that means she's going to be very aggressive. Like if you're if you're going to be playing mm-hmm. events like that, you're going to want to play them down. So you're going to be trying to to be in locations where you can grab clues. I think on that point too, man, um it also really makes you think about the types of cards that you want to include in your deck like i think the icons especially are going to be much more important because like you said you're going to be using them or losing them so you you know you want to make sure that your cards are always going to be usable so oh yeah yeah i was a little disappointed by her stat line too i mean four two 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 is not she's got i think the what's wendy's uh, willpower is it four and ashcan pete has four too right but willpower isn't used a lot by isn't used certainly like mystics are so she might be a an off-class mystic in which case that would give her uh she if she did was able to use cards like six cents then she could uh, she'd draw into those cards really quickly get six cents down and then she's investigate she'd be investigating with willpower instead of intellect and who cares what your intellect is at that point yeah that's that's true that's pretty silly you can stack her with a bunch of um, intellect and combat icon cards because her willpower is already decently high so she can leverage that as her defensive stat against treacheries and um, use your you know commit your your cards in your hand for combat and for investigation and still manage to succeed at least on on a lot of tests and since your your hands filling back up at the end of the of the round you know you're not too worried about committing all these cards to to a a bunch of tests each round. So Lang, when you mentioned cycling through the deck and getting a lot of these events back, you brought up a good point here 
Because that means you'll, you're going to see your weaknesses possibly more than once per game as well. Yeah, potentially. I mean, as, like her, this this watcher from another dimension, assuming she can kill it in solo or have somebody kill it for her in multiplayer, it, she'd have to fail. Uh, let me just see here. I think you, if you succeed, discard it from your hand. If you fail, spawn it engaged with you. So she'd have to fail to attack it. Then it would spawn. Then somebody else could kill it for her. So if you teamed her with a guardian... I mean, Mark would make short work of this thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, going to her ability, and it's interesting that both Vase and Man from Lang both really like Patrice. Actually, I have some other friends that have mentioned Patrice being really exciting to them, too. I think there's definitely a type of player out there that really just likes to hand management and kind of do little things, almost play their own game of Arkham as you're all playing. So I think that that's finally something that really appeals to that type of player which is good to have yeah no i'd agree with that yeah she's 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 got an interesting mechanic whereas whereas if i was to look at like probably the investigator who sort of interests me the least would be mandy just because definitely i don't find her response particularly interesting which is like searching your deck you get to search a couple of three extra cards or i guess draw an additional card it like it it while it affects her deck it doesn't really i guess it just doesn't excite me as much not nearly as much as patrice does anyway and mandy has like she's got three willpower five intellect one combat and three agility so she's going to be i mean her ability is great for searching the deck it doesn't really have yeah um it doesn't really affect uh affect much else yeah. yeah mandy arguably has the best outline of the investigators revealed in this cycle right yeah because she has decent agility and decent willpower mm-hmm. the two well, de- decent compared to like a rat right <laughs> the, um decent defensive stats so against treachery she's going to be really good with her willpower and her um agility and then her proactive stat their, her intellect is really high mm-hmm. So she doesn't need the combat. As a seeker, she doesn't need to to use the combat at all. So the points are basically spread out over the stats that are most important for her. But I agree with you. The the abilities, like when they first revealed her, I thought she was really interesting. But like you said, I mean, searching your deck, it's, it's something that's pretty much seekers can do now with all these cards that have been, you know, released, um... Mr. Rook and uh, No Stone Unturned and a bunch of others, card draw and card search is kind of Seeker's calling card already. Yeah, she she just gets to do it better than everybody else does and mm-hmm. and that sort of style of Seeker hasn't really interested me in the past. That's probably why I'm 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 cool to Mandy. I just I I haven't played a Seeker that does a lot of that in the first place, so having a Seeker that does it even better just doesn't uh, really appeal to me. Maybe I'll play her and, and I'll, you know, I'll be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, I get to find whatever card I want whenever I want it sort of thing. But but right now I, I much prefer, I'd much prefer playing around with somebody like Patrice where you're, you're constantly cycling cards and you've got lots of neat little, neat little tricks you can do between, you know, committing cards to skill tests or using your violin or... Or getting a couple assets down, and then you know you've got. Uh, if you go the dark ho- dark horse route, you're you're boosting your skills across the board, and then uh, then you can play around. Like this, 
survivors have all those cards that work well if you're um, like Madame Labranche, you could throw her in there and get some interesting interactions, you know, whether you have no cards or no resources and, and stuff like that. So I think she's she's quite interesting from that perspective. Yeah, she's exciting because she's, she's a completely different play style, whereas Mandy doesn't really bring anything new to the table, just better. And yeah. For me, Mandy, I just see five intellect and I'd be like, well, I'm just going to race scenarios with her. Right. Mandy's the perfect kind of investigator that you'd want to pair with someone like Patrice that just wants to like draw a bunch of cards and look for their, look for a particular set of cards or, you know, combo pieces. But yeah, man, I, I want to like Mandy as I kind of, I like effects like Mandy's, but yeah, I, hearing your opinion, I kind of feel the same way like mandy's ability kind of feels win more like if you're already getting cards out of your deck like getting more cards out of your deck generally doesn't always help i know that sounds kind of silly but it seems like i think she'd work i like i agree that she would work really well if you combine her with say you know somebody who's playing a more combo oriented deck and they need certain cards to to do what they want to do best like say a guardian if they wanted to play i'm just picking a card here hallowed mirror right like it's one limit one per deck so suddenly you've got mandy to help out find that hallowed mirror that much faster yep. and then she also helps you draw into them so you faster. can get your soothing melodies into your deck and she yeah so yeah. you know if you're combining her with that sort of purpose then i think she could be she could be quite interesting but as somebody who plays solo um, most of the time, um, that's that option isn't oh isn't available to me. So it's it'd be just me searching my deck for for stuff and yeah. And I want to I want to preface that my statement is mostly talking about solo play too, because obviously in um, in multiplayer, why don't we just go ahead and actually read what Mandy does here? Um, sure, I, c I can read her off. Like we said, she has three willpower, five intellect, one combat, and three agility. She's got uh, she's the researcher with the assistant and scholar traits. She's got the response when an investigator at your location would search their deck or the encounter deck they may either search three additional cards or resolve one additional target of the search limit once per round uh, and she has an elder sign effect of plus zero search the top three cards of your deck for a card and then either draw it or commit it to this test if able shuffle your deck she's got six health and eight sanity so she could i mean I, I didn't see, uh, I didn't realize she could also search the encounter, she could also trigger her effect on the encounter deck. So that could be, that could be interesting. That has uh, some interesting potential, depending on whether she's part mystic and can take scrying and stuff like that. They but. kind of teased her deck building, uh, and she gets to pick whether she can have access to one, two, or three classes, and or something like that. And then her deck size... Oh right, yeah, her uh yeah, you're right. Her uh let me I've got the the thing up here. Let me just find it here quickly. Uh yeah, so she has uh when her investigator deck is first built, she may choose to either fill it with 30, 40 or 50 cards in addition to deciding between mystic, rogue or survivor classes to complement her remarkable skills as a seeker. So the more classes you take, the the bigger your deck's going to be. So yeah, she would have access to things like scrying and whatnot if you wanted to go the uh, the encounter deck route. And there's always scroll of secrets. Um, 
this kind of presents like interesting, I guess, depending on uh, if it's just level zero cards, if she can take also upgraded cards, but it's kind of interesting that you can kind of build Mandy like you would Lola, but you don't have to deal with the absurd yeah. crippling weaknesses of Lola. Mm, I don't think Lola and I appreciate that comment. Let me check. Lola, do you, oh, hold on, she's having a crisis. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, just to clarify, she's she's done having a crisis. I asked her if she was upset. She said she was neutral on the topic. So uh, continue. Because just because you can, you know, you have such a wide toolbox of cards that you're able to use. But yeah, it's really, um, I, it's, she's really interesting in multiplayer as you can fill her out to really do anything. And she's just, you know, one of those one of those investigators you want to have on your team, but isn't going to be like the Rex Murphy or the Mark Harrigan that's probably going to do most of the heavy lifting for your team. Well, I, I don't know. With five intellect, you can do a lot of heavy lifting in a game. You know, I've often f- found, you know, five intellect is is the best the best text you can have in this game. Well, it's even better when you, uh, when you investigate. Uh, point of order, before we started recording, I said something and the man from Lang laughed. Now, I'm a purist. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. And no one would believe me anyway. That is true. I'm just putting it out that there. That is true. Shit, that sure does. Real. It is true. I can confirm that I did laugh at one of, uh, at one of Nathan's jokes. It's a shining moment in Nathan's life. Uh, we weren't recording. It's not quite, you know, it's like if you, if you kind of cheat and get a royal flush of poker instead of get a natural royal flush, totally different thing. Yes. All right. So we've talked about Patrice for over an hour. Nate, who would you pick as your investigator from the new box? Hold on. One more thing. I'm sorry. You're cutting out. You're cutting out. About Patrice. Very, very quick. With Patrice, they managed to make... Machete. <laughs> they managed to make Machete, yes. Uh, they managed to make an investigator that's very interesting with interesting deck-building puzzles to solve and not making her overly complex. Whereas some other investigators, specifically in this cycle, seem like they're going to be a little complex for new players, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. That's it. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and that's one we're all going to have to put to the put to the test. So, uh, who is your favorite? Uh, let's let's go with Nathan. Uh, I literally asked Nate to tell me his favorite. Like, did anyone hear that? Was anyone else listening? Nate, who would you pick as your investigator from the new box? Nate, I mean, other than Patrice, uh, Tommy Muldoon is pretty interesting. He's the new guardian from the Dream Eaters. Uh, He's the rookie. Not guardian. Tommy Muldoon is Guardian. Mm-hmm. I he think is. he's thinking... I don't know what Nathan <laughs> is talking about over there. Anyway. Go ahead. I think he's thinking Tony, Tony Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Is he? Nathan is thinking Tony Morgan. <laughs> Never mind. I, I crawl back I crawl back into my hobbit hole with uh, Lola Hayes. Go ahead. Tell us about Tommy Muldoon. Tell us, what it, what does Tommy do? So Tommy Muldoon is the rookie cop. He has the police and warden traits. He has three willpower, three intellect, four combat, and two agility. He has a reaction that states, When an asset you control is defeated, gain X resources where X is the total amount of damage and horror on that asset, and shuffle that asset into your deck. His other sign effect is plus two. You may move up to two damage and or horror from Tommy Muldoon onto an asset you control or vice versa. 
And lastly, Tommy has 8 health and 6 sanity. So this is a pretty interesting take on resource generation for Guardian, which they desperately needed. I like the the idea of using cards like um, something worth fighting for and True Grit and obviously your allies to gain additional resources and additional benefits when those things go away. I think that's a great thing for Guardians to have access to. He can sort of pseudo-heal himself and gain resources with his Elder Sign, and his signature cards are pretty good, uh, the first of which is Becky. It's a custom Marlin model 1894. It has a combat, an agility, and a wild skill icon. It costs two resources and has the item, weapon, and firearm traits. Uh, it's a Tommy Muldoon deck only. Uses two ammo. Each resource gained from Tommy Muldoon's reaction ability may instead be placed on Becky as ammo, which is cool. Um, so it's a nice way to generate free ammo as well. And it has an action that says spend an ammo and fight, you get plus two combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. Which is great. And it, um, it has the double hand slot, so it costs two hand slots. And his weakness is Rookie Mistake, which is the blender and flaw traits. And has uh, a revelation effect that reads, discard each asset you control with damage or horror on it. If no assets are discarded by this effect, shuffle Rookie Mistake back into your deck. So that kind of reminds me of Terrible Secret. Um, Diana Stanley's weakness, uh, very similar sort of effect. Obviously, not nearly as Question brutal. To but Nate. Um, when you say "terrible secret," yes, in your head, do you start chanting "beautiful people"? Uh, yes, the Marilyn Manson song. From now on, I want you to think that when you play that card. Real quick, I saw on the Reddit regarding Tommy Muldoon that Fantasy Flight actually had kind of given a little hint about all his abilities. Way back, Man From Lang, you remember the April Fool's article that they released for Arkham Horror, the card game, with all the dogs? Right, right, the dogs. So, yeah. so t Tummy Rubs Muldoon was revealed uh, with, the, with the same stat line, the, basically the same ability, but it said... When a squeaky toy asset you control is defeated, <laughs> gain resources equal to the total amount of damage on that asset. And his Elder Sign is a plus two. You may move up to two damage from a squeaky toy card you control to Tummy Rubs Muldoon. And same stat line. I mean, they actually had teased it way long ago. So what were the other, what were the other dogs in that set? I don't remember. Okay, so... Am I right? They should make Barkham Horror. They would sell so much of that game. I would sell it to people that come into my store going, yeah, I, I, I play Catan. What else should I play? You're going to play <laughs> Barkham Horror is what you're going to play. Now sit down and paw up. I would play that. I would really play that. I mean, I don't that. know if they'd buy it then, but that's what I'd say. <laughs> Let's sign a petition. Let's get a petition going. We got, what, four people in the channel, three listeners, seven people. I might get Matt Newman to sign off on it. That's eight. Let's do this. But, uh, yeah, man, what do you think about an investigator and guardian that can gain resources off of um, use, using ally assets? Oh, that's, I mean, guardians need resources. Like, I mean, between them and mystics, it's hard to know who needs them more. I mean, the ability to sack those, not you, you, you don't even have to sack them. I mean, they've done their job. They were going to leave play anyway, and then you get them back. There's no limit here on how many times you can do it, so... If something really clobbers you and you've got to get rid of all of your allies in one fell swoop, well, 
you get all those resources back and then you get to shuffle them back into your deck as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you get to draw them and play them again. I like I mean I love his elder sign effect because I can just see, you know, all those opportunities to to use beat cop multiple time multiple times. I mean, we haven't really had a besides playing those uh you know, some of those events to heal beat cop. Now you've got a way to heal it and just keep pinging away with damage. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Is pretty cool. Yeah, or if you are loaded on money and you have his uh, custom asset out, you can use it as spare ammo, which is cool too. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I mean his gun does take up both hands, which is which is never a, which isn't a great thing. So you're probably gonna like bandolier, bandolier and bandolier two. Is it? Yeah. I believe. Well, those are cards gonna, are also pretty useful because they have a sanity slot i believe too so if they get discarded you also gain yeah he gets the resource back and gets to shuffle the bandolier back into his deck so that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty uh that's a pretty nice interaction yeah and you can put more ammo than what it the gun starts with on it so you can actually keep racking up that ammo on it and then you'll be more or less set with it you know if you yeah if you keep taking the resources over um he he seems like he's going to be really tanky, like he's going to be able to take hit after hit after. Yeah, hit. well, he's the the thing is he's got the he still has the six sanity, which is I think fairly average in this game. I think, and he doesn't have the. I think probably Yorick is a better tank, but if you if you're able to to sack a like get a lot get a lot of those assets out and then sack them. And then bring them back, yeah. Then he's going to be, he's going to be tough to take down. It is possible that he could be like an off-class survivor, and then that would give him access to things like leather coat and Cherish keepsake, which are both great cards in a deck, uh, in a Tommy deck. Being able to like gain two resources off of those cards is, yeah, also just super gravy on top of them just being decent soap cards to begin with. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the, I mean, we've got Patrice who. Uh, we've got uh, Mandy who can take from three different classes. We've got Tony who can take certain cards from two other classes. We don't know what the other three investigators can do, but I wouldn't be surprised if these guys can also, like maybe Tommy can can pull from multiple classes as well, uh, a limited selection of cards from multiple classes. Yeah, I have a feeling for Tommy that they're going to make him... Um guardian and no secondary class just some kind of keyword yeah which keyword would it be that's a good question uh i don't know i don't know what keyword i'll have to look at some cards and see but um i guess by keyword you mean trait right trait sorry yeah trait um so there are only four cards with the police trait and they're all in guardian anyway so yeah because he, based on his like story, I don't know if survivors really. I don't know. I don't know what it what it could be. I'd have to look and see what. Yeah, it I mean, I don't. I mean, he's obviously not going to be a mystic, but seeker. I mean, seeker always makes sense with guardians, especially the police guardians, because of that. You know, that natural fit with investigating and hunting down criminals and whatnot. I mean, maybe rogue, but I mean, we've already got Leo who does that. Yeah. And he already plays with a lot of allies. So maybe, I mean, maybe Survivor is a maybe Survivor is the the way we haven't had a we don't have a uh, 
a guardian survivor yet. So you know, it'd be interesting. Other than the fact that we haven't had a lot of neutral investigators, just Lola, I think at this point, it would be interesting if they had a either a set of people and started doing this, or at least a one-off where they had their main big color and then their secondary color was neutral, but they got like a plus to using neutral things. Like neutral things either had a a discount when you played them or a discount when you acquired them experience-wise. That way it'd be kind of like having it be one of its colors. Oh, yeah, that'd be, be kind really of fun cool. to play with. Yeah, no, that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much... I mean, they've got, what, 20-plus investigators now, and there's still a lot of design space to explore. Oh, what about tools? I wonder if they'll give him tools. Uh, tools would give him access to the fingerprint kit, the fire extinguisher, flashlight, gravedigger shovel, the Hawkeye folding camera, lantern, lockpicks, and magnifying glass. It's fitting for a cop. I think, other, yeah, other than, um, other than Patrice, uh, Tony was kind of the other standout investigator for me. Um, I'm not sure if we've discussed Tony Morgan. Nathan, what do you think about Tony Morgan? Huh, I, is there is there somebody named Tony? Let me... Oh, yeah, the best investigator coming out in the new effing set. I'm glad you asked me. Um, Tony Morgan, the bounty hunter. We're talking two willpower, three intellect, five fight. Can I repeat that? Five fight and two dodge. We don't really worry about the dodge. He's got some kind of... Plater flashiness or whatever going on. Um, so Tommy to me is kind of exciting because he kind of feel fills the role in a way of a guardian. Heavy fight, not the ability to evade well, kind of like a, a Leo. But I'm really excited on a flavor wise. I mean, I'm not really worried about how the deck works. Ask any of my friends that I play with. I'm not focused on the mechanics as much as the flavor. But I'm really excited to kind of see what uh what kind of combos I can do with you know sneak attack and the different knives uh coup de gras maybe knuckle duster throw it in there for fun and all the bounties seem like a cool concept uh and what was that last one the small favor I think that's where we could do a damage and what are the bounties Nathan I, I don't know what this guy does <laughs> what what are these bounties uh, the quicker, it's the quicker picker-uppers. He can pick people up quickly with this bounty roll. Basically, as per the card, you can take an additional action during your turn, which can only be used to engage or fight an enemy with one or more bounties on it. Uh, Nate, because it's, for some reason, not pulling up on my thing. How many do you start uh, with? Is it like seven? Six. You start with six, yep. Yeah, so you have those to kind of, oh, there it is. It starts with six bounties, up to three of which you can place... On a spawn enemy of three hit points or higher, uh, enemy hit points will limit how many bounties you can place. One for every hit point, you could have one bo- uh, bounty limit, two for two, etc. Uh, but they give Tony's uh, .38 long colt plus one for every bounty on that enemy. You fight with the signature colts. Uh, they can also. They get moved to Tony's resource pool with an enemy with the bounties defeated by Tony. Now, keep in mind it says by Tony. That matters. So you can't have, like, Carolyn Fern backstab it. Uh, the enemy does not have to be defeated by Tony's cults, by the way. It's just defeated by Tony. And finally, they give it additional actions, which can be used to, as I said, engage your fight. So, pretty darn sweet. I'm looking forward to at least building out a couple different builds to try out with a Tony. Um, do you think that Nathan, do you think that he's 
going to step on the toes of Skids? Nope. A little too much? No. You don't I, think I, don't, so? I don't think. No, because he's more of a fighter. Skids is, is kind of slippery. It's time for another irrelevant news update. It was just a few minutes ago that I put out an Arkham community-wide um, petition to get Barkham Horror made into an actual thing. And so far, 100% of all Arkham Horror LCG players have signed it. So we're kind of looking at a guaranteed thing. Look at you multitasking. That's what I do. Yeah, they, I, do. I think the rule is they have to respond. Oh, shoot. They have to respond of at least 90% of the I players. I just sent FFG a text saying 100% of all Arkham Horror LCG players have signed it. So, I mean, I, I just wanted to save the all the busy work. So... Yeah. This has been another irrelevant news update. All right, what else are we talking well, about? Well, I want to go folks? back to Tony and Skids. Um, what would make someone pick Skids over Tony? I want to talk about this. Uh, make it a mistake? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Do you think that that's the only reason someone would play him over, over Tony? No, I mean, I have some friends that actually Skids is their favorite character. They like the flavor. They like the concept of someone who's fallen from the graces of society, picking it up when it comes to saving the world. Um, so I think it all boils down to flavor. I kind of like the idea of a scrap and rope. Mm. That's a good point. Story-wise, yeah, they're way different. Yeah, I like, I've, I've, like, I think Skids can be quite, uh, I mean, I like playing him. If I can get his additional action off every turn, then I think he can be quite yeah. good. It's hard to do. That's but the thing. It's very hard to do. I think you would pick Tony over Skids in situations where you want access to good guardian weapons because of the way Tony Morgan has to build his deck. You have to rely on just your Colts and whatever's in the uh, rogue card pool, which doesn't have the best weapons true well level level zero weapons they have some pretty good experience weapons that you can purchase but yeah at level zero you're you're kind of limited to but tony does get two guns and he does get to play one of them for free i think does he not it's only if you play them both at the same time both at the same time yeah that's that might be difficult to do but and rogues don't have a ton of draw either, so you're going to be... Maybe the lucky cigarette case can get it for yeah, you. Yeah, I think that that ability is kind of meh, in my opinion. But um, I feel like Tony is is better suited for for fighting like regular creatures, whereas Skids is meant for killing bosses. That is an interesting concept. Yeah, like Skids has a much higher evade, so he can exhaust bosses, which generally retaliate. Even though Tony's combat is a lot higher, he really can't can't evade enemies at all, and he's more reliable at hitting. You know, so he'll he'll be fighting the smaller things, whereas Skids will generally be evading things that don't hunt. So in a way, they they do play quite a bit different, I guess. But but still, I feel like they're just so so close, filling kind of a a similar 
you know, filling kind of a similar role, like a a fighty rogue. Well, I think I mean Tony's with Tony's uh, with Tony's uh, combat. I mean he's he's going to be a very combat oriented rogue. While Skids is his is a, his is his agility, so he's much more. Um, he's much better at evading and and locking down and sneak attacking and stuff like that. Whereas Tony sneak attack doesn't do Tony any good. Tony wants something like small favor where he's, he gets the two combat skill icons from the card and he can deal dish out some extra damage. So I think the two, the two investigators are going to play very differently where Tony's going to get in your face and, and try to shoot you in the face. Skids is going to be far more likely to, to be ducking and weaving and trying to lock you down and get away. Yeah, that's that's fair. But, like Skids, he is terrible at dealing with the encounter deck. Well, that's that's par for the course these days and with rogues. But, I mean, if if it was really that bad, nobody would play rogues. But, I mean, rogues still see plenty of play. I know when I played when I played Finn Edwards, I never, and Finn's even worse. (laughs) And I never, I never worried too much about the encounter deck. So to be fair, Finn has, uh, seven sanity, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Tony only has five. So that, that two extra sanity might make you a little more cautious Mm -hmm. as to what's coming out of the encounter deck. But yeah, you, you do have a pretty decent resource generation too, just with his whole bounty mechanic giving him extra money uh, to play weapons and uh, expensive events that you're presumably including in your deck, depending on uh, what class you pick. But uh, generally, what um, what class would you guys pick if you were going to build a Tony Morgan deck? Hmm. That's a tough. Yeah, it depends what you're looking to do. Honestly, I don't know if it fits. Sorry to interrupt. I don't know if it fits, but it'd be kind of cool to have a fun scrapper survivor and play around with those cards. So if you want to go, if you want to go solo, I think survivor is the best choice. Um, but if you're if you're going in a group, you have the option of guardian or seeker, so you can actually fill either role. Um, you know, there's a lot of great guardian events for combat and a lot of great seeker events for combat. You can't play assets, but still. The events are going to be there, and for Survivor, if you pick Survivor, you're going to be a good all-arounder, so it'd be great for solo. So I think if you're going solo, you go Survivor. If your partner is playing, if you're playing two players and your partner's playing a combat-oriented character, then you'll go Seeker, and then the other way around, if, you're, if your partner's a Seeker or good at investigating, then you go Guardian. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking quickly here at the Guardian's guardian card list and i mean tony can take things like let me handle this so he can pull enemies from other investigators during the uh, the mythos phase he's got i mean uh, guardian gives him access to dodge and dynamite blast which are are pretty good if you're in if you're playing multiplayer and you need to deal with a whole bunch of enemies he's got emergency aid for healing if he needs it He's got evidence, of course, if he needs to grab a clue here and there for killing something, which he's going to be doing anyway. He's got that new card that'll be coming out in uh, Search for Kadath, the first watch, which lets him distribute uh, the encounter cards. So he, he does sort of fill that. He can fill that guardian role fairly well. And, of course, prepared for the worst lets him find his guns. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going over the seeker card list because I was I was curious, and in there are some interesting choices. Like you have things like working a hunch and shortcut, um, and preposterous sketches and things like that. But I 
think overall there's not a ton of things I think Tony wants from the Seeker class, because most of them, unless like unless you're going to dedicate Tony as someone that's going to get a bunch of clues, then there isn't a lot in Seeker that's going to help you manage enemies for the most part. You can still do deck search with like no stone unturned, or resource generation with Crack the Case and a couple of the other ones. So... You can you can get more card draw or or you know kind of um, what they call tutor type stuff from Seeker and benefit from that. That's true, but I think that you can get that sort of stuff from other classes, and I think those classes will probably benefit Tony more. Like I think, like Man was saying, like you have like prepare from the worst and evidence and scene of the crime and stuff like that from guardian that kind of do the same things that uh cards in in the seeker card pool would do for tony but probably just better but maybe maybe i'm wrong i'm looking at the the survivor events and of course there's there's things like lucky in there um i'm not really blown away by the survivor list there's like winging it which is good um Look what I found. I guess if you're playing sol- him solo, you might want to go Survivor because then you can get things like Look What I Found. But then, I mean, rogues have lock picks, so it's, I mean, it's easy. It's not that hard. For- yeah, but Tony can't really use lock picks, at least not very effectively. He he only has like a five. Yeah, but five is still pretty good. I, I mean, he would probably break picks more often than than Finn would. But yeah, like there's there's fight and flight, which is pretty good, except it's the amount of horror on you, and Tony doesn't have a lot of sanity to be stacking that on there. Hiding spot is kind of interesting if he needs to to get away from something. Because sometimes you do run into enemies you don't want to you can't kill. Maybe he just wants to play oops. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he could also want to play like I've got a plan and anatomical diagrams too, but I don't think that's likely. He's not going to be waylaying anything. <laughs> no, certainly not. He's. I don't think he's really interested in trial by fire. I mean, oops, nobody's gonna. I don't think anybody plays that as it is. I mean, lucky live and learn and stuff like that are always going to be great regardless yeah and i think that kind of harkens back to vase's point about you're probably going to take survivor in your solo games with tony just because those cards tend to be useful in the most amount of situations well i'm not sure there's a there's an awful lot of like i mean belly of the beast it's about evading tony doesn't care about that there's bait and switch that's about evading tony doesn't care about that well Um, i mean of the events that you would take like lucky and live and learn and and those things. Yeah, like between Live and Learn and Lucky, there's four slots if you Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like realistically, like how many how many off class slots are you taking for your events? Maybe maybe ten? Well tops? ten is what he can like, take total from off class. Skills yeah, so. and events. So I'm just and I've just been skills too. I've just been looking at the events, so it's hard to say whether there's yeah, this, like there's, there are uh, there's things like resourceful and like not without a fight in Survivor, which are 
interesting choices. Uh, able-bodied might be something he might be interested in. I've actually been really impressed by Last Chance recently. but I have too. That card, um, since you recommended that deck to me um, that you've been playing, I tried that in, in Curtain Call, and yeah, that card was very good. Even even when you still have a couple of cards in your hand, it's still plus two or plus three icons, and you're pretty happy with that most of the time anyway. Yeah, I mean, even like survivor skills, you get resourceful, so you get your luckies back. I mean, that's that stuff is good. Uh, Seeker has things like Eureka and um, Curiosity, which are pretty lackluster choices, I think, for Tony. Before we move on, is there uh, anything uh, anything else about the investigators that they've spoiled throughout the past? Uh... Who are we missing? Well, we didn't we didn't talk anything about Luke the Dreamer. I think we did right? in the initial, um, in episode five, I believe we did. Yeah, I know, but on this episode, for anyone who skipped it, simply put, he sounds fun too. The concept of being able to poof around the board and do stuff even though you're not there because you're considered there is kind of cool. But I, I'm I'm curious to try him out too. I, I like Mystics, so give it a shot. Yeah, man, you had um, did like a try playthrough of on octagon right yeah i i I played him on octagon and he was he was fun he i mean he still i think he still struggles with the the same old mystic problems you know he's kind of slow to set up and and whatnot but uh there's a lot of interesting potential with his ability to pop into his pocket dimension and then do all sorts of crazy stuff with events so i'll 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 definitely play him I don't get why they haven't come out with an equivalent for Mystics like they did with Guardians, um, with um, Ever Vigilant and uh, what's that card? Not prepared for the worst. Um, the one that it's a permanent and you can stack three cards on it. Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. So you're basically saying they haven't come up with a way to make a consistent Mystic? Yeah, well, at least to, to set up quickly, because Guardians and Mystics both are have the same issues of setup, but a, a higher-level Guardian has those options where they can stack important cards on there and just start and play Ever Vigilant to play three assets in one action at a reduced cost. So sure. it almost guarantees that they can set up easily on turn one and still have two actions left. Mystics have nothing, nothing even close. I was thinking that a fun investigator would be a mystic that starts fairly weak compared to some people, but is consistent. Mm-hmm. So you start with, you know, the, some base spells in play or something, and you kind of get off the ground at a stable rate, and then and after, then every I got an idea. Every time you cancel something, her willpower goes up. Or something. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Can I? Can you text me your address right now, please? <laughs> oh my goodness. But kind of on that point, um, I think, I think from a from a flavor and a lore perspective, um, it's much easier to find a gun than it is to find mystical energy for a spell. So it, I think it makes more sense that guardians have access to things like prepare for the worst and stick to the plan because you know you can just like run into your tool shed and grab a machete but you can't you know you can't just like find your shriveling out of nothingness so that's true from that from that perspective i see it but i do agree that you know obviously that's but the mystic problem but here's the they, other thing you know. with mystic sure they have one stat they need to worry about and i understand that that's part of the design is 
they have to have some kind of drawback because they literally can just focus on that one stat and be successful. But without those setup cards, they're useless because willpower is otherwise a defensive stat. A defensive stat, whereas guardians, most guardians have a, a pretty high combat value to start with, four or higher, right? So if you have an enemy on you, even if you didn't set up, you can punch him for one, and most enemies you can kill. Sure, it'll take three actions, but you can kill them in one round. Whereas as a mystic, you're pretty much helpless until you get those cards in play. A guardian is not necessarily helpless, and most guardians have a decent intellect of a three. I think there's only one that doesn't, um, and that would be Mark. Uh, Zoe. Oh, Zoe. Zoe is a two, Zoe, I believe. Okay, so Zoe and Mark. But every other Guardian has a three or higher, so at least they can investigate several different locations, especially at the higher levels, where most locations have a two or a three shroud. Um, Mystics, on the other hand, pretty much, I mean, their intellect usually is a three as well, but their combat values are always low, and they're helpless. They're helpless without it, so... They just I just wish they had another way. And then they have all these utility spells that no one plays because of the slots. And sure, there's cards that will expand your slots, but again, they take time to find and set up just to expand the number of slots that you have. It's it's an issue. I, I hope that they do, and as more cards come out, it's, it becomes an even bigger issue because you have to decide which spells do I put in my deck because if you have too many spells you don't have enough slots for them and they're just cards that you're going to end up committing for tests. So I, I do wish that they have some kind of solution for that. Well, so. I haven't learned my lesson because I've played almost nothing but mystic for the past, I don't know how many months now, bopping from father Mateo to Mary to Diana and playing many, many games with all of them. And, and I think of the, I think certainly Marie and Diana are, head and shoulders above Father Mateo, but yeah, it's still, you still have games where you can get set up too slowly or you run into to resource issues and then you're, and then you're struggling to, to make any headway. But then again, my Diana deck does have Indebted as its weakness and I have the tower as well, which, which makes it doubly difficult. Oh, oh God. Yeah. You don't. You don't even have resources at that point. You're like already no, in the hole. No, so. you're like yeah. You're, you're. I mean, between indebted two and four, you need for tower. That's six. Yeah. So. So you're at negative three at the point. So. Plus, you've got you know any decent spell is going to cost you three to four. So yeah, it's that is rough times right there, and not the Barkham Horror kind of rough, but the actual kind of rough. <laughs> um. So, in other news, um, speaking of the Dream Eaters, they did announce the Search for Kadath, which is the first Mythos pack of the Dream Eaters cycle. So it looks like that this can, uh, this scenario sees the investigators actually going through uh, portions of the Dreamlands itself. To quote the article here, it says, After taking your first steps into the Dreamlands, you find respite in an inn of the strange land, but your mind continues to be tormented by thoughts of those you left behind in the waking world and the dangers they may face there. Perhaps if you find the lost castle and return with proof of the Dreamlands, you can save yourself, your friends, and the other dreamers whose fate is still unknown. But if you wish to gain this proof, you must leave the relative safety of your host behind and step into the unknown world of the Dreamlands. So yeah, it just shows some pretty. The article itself shows some pretty neat art. Um, 
kind of wanted to get your opinion, Nathan, as someone that's a uh, sales manager at a game store. How do you, how do you feel about FFG's recent trend of pre-order art prints? Um, I don't know if we discussed this last episode. Well, or not, just but. for a second. Sorry to segue. I, I just want. I had a thought, and the thought was: a for people that have read anything about the Dreamlands or played role-playing games that that encounter the Dreamlands, uh, they are very trippy very evocative and full of emotion and, and these dreamscapes that are hard to wrap your mind around. So I, I have a prediction about who's going to like and not like this set. And I think the people that are pretty laid back and flexible and have a wild imagination are really going to embrace it. But I think there's, I think there's a, a slice of players, I don't know how big, where they like more concrete and more like real life things. So I think those people are going to think like things like Dunnage and um, the Circle Undone more. And I think people that kind of liked the, the time concept in Carcosa or the time slash wilderness of the Forgotten Age, I think those people are going to like the Dreamlands more. I just, I, I get this feeling because when I talk to people about which set they like, when I talk to them when they come into Guardian. I, I definitely have people that like the flavor of something because it's either more accessible, more 1920s uh, Lovecraft to them, and other people that are ready to kind of jump off and do whatever. So I, I definitely think people will be a little split on that, but I am uber excited. As far as, going back to your question, as far as the whole concept of pre-ordering for stuff, um... The fact that it's art prints doesn't excite me. I think if they ever did, if you pre-order this thing, you'll get an early investigator, then they would not have enough orders to, or product to fill the orders uh, because everybody would want that. But even though the art's fantastic, I can't see that being a major motivator. Um, going back to what you were saying, Nathan, about the um, Dreamlands, do you think that's why they split the this cycle into one that's more fantastical and you know half of it is more fantastical and the other half is more like grounded do you think because they were maybe a little skeptical as to whether it was too fantastical for some people um yeah maybe i i definitely think certain people are going to appeal to different cycles differently but i mean they've been batting a thousand i think so really can't do wrong in general do you think the more grounded people would then still it would still appeal to them if they just did the half that was more grounded in Arkham? Hmm. Very potentially. Yeah. Let's find out. <laughs> we'll come back to that on a, on a episode coming up. And be like, remember when you said this thing, base? <laughs> episode like fifteen or sixteen, like eight months from now when all the packs are released. <laughs> there you go. So, what do you guys think about the the cards that they revealed for this? Yeah, man had mentioned First Watch, and that card is sweet. Um, it's a one-cost Guardian event. It has a Intellect and Agility icon. It has the Tactic trait and reads Fast. Play when the Draw Encounter card step of the Mythos phase would begin. Instead of resolving that step, look at the top X cards of the Encounter deck, where X is the number of Investigators. Deal those cards among the Investigators as you wish, dealing no more than one to each Investigator other than yourself. Then, one at a time, each investigator draws the cards dealt to them. So this is super cool. This is a great way for Guardians to 
make sure that they're the ones uh, getting the enemies put onto them. And if they're paired with a mystic, they can make sure they take care of something like a rotting remains or, um, you know, some silly hex if you're in the circle undone or something like that. Or if you're with a rogue and you're in TFA, they can take care of something like Entombed. Um, so this card is just generally pretty sweet. Uh, what do you guys think about this card? I, I think I like it a lot. Um, I I like the what it, what it kind of hints at, which is that they are maybe starting to play around with player cards that that kind of get tweaked based on the number of players. I think that's an interesting idea that maybe that they're starting to experiment with, hopefully. Um, because we've only really had encounter cards, I think, or scenario cards that scale based on number of players. But I don't, I can't recall a single player card that did that until this one. So that's, that's a nice, um, nice way to introduce that and hopefully there are more cards that do that um, but the cards effects themselves I think it's fantastic it makes a guard I think of all the guardian cards this is one of the ones that really shows what guardians do for their group and that's basically to protect them and heal sanity as per the botanist hey um, I think didn't Matt Newman himself come out and say something along the lines of for this first expansion he put like a ton of work into the act agenda or story. He, he had mentioned it was like a departure slash evolution for him to work on this. Yeah, I I have not heard of that being the case specifically. Hmm. I will go find it while we while you talk and continue. Um. So the other card that was spoiled was uh, Jessica Hyde. That is a new upgraded survivor ally. Uh, Man from Lang. I know you've kind of already discussed this card on your YouTube channel, but why don't you go ahead and read this card for us? Yeah, she's a, a three cost uh, asset that costs one experience point. She's got a uh, combat skill icon, the Ally Wafer, and cursed traits. You get uh, plus one combat while she's in play. And she enters play with two damage on her, and she's got the response after your turn ends, you can heal a damage from her. She's got three health and one sanity, so she's basically the uh, the damage version of Peter Sylvester. And uh, Peter is uh, an absolutely amazing card who has saved my bacon more times than I can count. So uh, having a, uh, a damage version of him is going to be... Uh, very nice for for certain investigators yeah absolutely um yeah there are a lot of investigators that are interested in, in a card like this um yorick likes this card a lot um because he can just use cherish keepsake to tank whatever sanity he needs to um there are a couple off-class survivors i believe that are pretty interested in this um maybe preston depending on the build that you go for it's nice to just have something that soaks up a bunch of damage for you. Um, what are some investigators that come off the top of your head, Vase? Uh, that would use this? Oh, man. Um, I think every survivor would, would love it. I think Yorick definitely is going to make them all... Pairing this and Peter together in a Yorick deck is going to make them nearly unkillable at this point. Um, Calvin loves her. Calvin definitely loves her. Yeah. Yeah, that that gives him a lot of breathing room. Yeah, and really a lot. I mean, he's he, you really have to walk the line with him and being able to soak that damage turn after turn. So you can basically 
hover at four damage on you and then just let her deal with the rest of it is is mm-hmm. pretty sweet. So do you think there's going to be like that that charisma Jessica Hyde plus Peter Sylvester build of of Calvin that becomes popular when this card is released because I I definitely think that's certainly doable. I mean, playing both of them, you're soaking a damage and a horror every turn. That's huge for Calvin. That's tremendous. That's that's pretty pretty yeah. good. <laughs> and then if you ha- you have um the five of cups right or five of pentacles, so so you can like walk the line even further. Um, yeah. So this card is really interesting. Um, definitely definitely worth the three resources that you put into it the the plus one combat is obviously reason alone to play this card but yeah like like we've been saying just you know the fact that it soaks up tons of damage is also so excellent. survivors now have um if they put jessica hyde and peter they have the damage soak and the horror soak they get a plus one of combat willpower and agility and um they can dark horse and get a plus one to all their stats, so that could be pretty pretty nice. I mean, that's a lot of cards that you'd have to set up, but basically you're getting plus two to pretty much all your stats except intellect. And again, Calvin, it'd be huge in Calvin to just get plus two to pretty much all his stats as it is, and then all the additional benefits of being able to absorb the damage. Calvin could actually turn into a really really playable investigator in any mode yeah because you've had um you've had decent experience with calvin recently right because you've been in a a circle and done campaign yeah um (laughs) uh this guy uh that we play with aaron he he loves calvin and he's been playing with him and doing actually surprisingly well and nothing in the build really like screams out oh this is what's what's making that deck great versus decks that i've played but this guy just knows how to play him he just knows how to really leverage the abilities and, and like Man from Lang said, walk that line and be able to manage it somehow. So it's it's been pretty good. We've had a couple of bad scenarios, but that's just all of us as a whole. <laughs> In fact, it was uh, Akachi who ended up dying on the Mythos phase of turn three. So she literally played two Ooh, turns that's and brutal. died. And I think it was... Yeah, I think it was Union and Disillusion. The the encounter deck, since we were four players, four encounter cards, and she was in a location with a haunted ability that was, I think it dealt horror or something, and she had just taken a horror from, or a couple horror from um, Shriveling. So she was already down, and then the creature hit her, so she was down some more, and then a couple of us pulled the cards that make the haunted abilities in, in in your location go off. So she just took a bunch of horror. It literally, literally, Mythos phase of turn three, dead by horror. Just went insane. She played two rounds. Damn, that's brutal. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that was the... Yeah, and there was one other card uh, that I totally missed. Uh, the Scroll of Prophecies. I knew you were going to say that. Nathan, I'm surprised you... I was gonna. I was just gonna say. Oh my god! I knew you were gonna say that. Knew you're gonna say that. I knew we were all gonna say this. This is getting way too bad for me. Uh, Vase, do you want to read Scroll of Prophecies for us? Okay, I'm done. It's Scroll of Prophecies is a mystic. Uh, mystic. Did you say Scroll of Prophecies? Because yep. that's nutty. Scroll of Prophecies is a mystic asset. Three cost, one willpower icon. Uh, uses four secrets. Use an action to spend one secret. 
choose an investigator at your location. That investigator draws three cards, then discards one card from their hand. I would say the hand slot is a problem, but since it's Mystic, it's not a problem. Yeah, not at all. Um, I mean, this is an auto-include in Daisy now, right? This is, like, strictly yeah. better old book yeah. floor. It's amazing. And you can knowledge its power, so fast action. Have someone draw three cards, discard one card. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty good. Yeah. I like This it would be lot. pretty sweet with Mandy, too, where you could, you know... Um, draw four and discard a Ooh. card that's yeah so, wow that's pretty good um it's so good yeah i mean there's really not much to say about this card it's pretty just generically good it does it does cost three resources in a class that is like we've said earlier in this episode um pretty tight on its resources but i mean you're probably playing this in, you're definitely playing this in Daisy. Um what other what other mystics or off class mystics do you guys think want a card like this? Uh certain Carolyn builds definitely like it. Um would, it, would that be considered Norman Withers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but Norman only gets five. I mean, five mystic cards. Yeah, it's kind of the shaft. Cause Safina has a bigger hand anyways, so she definitely likes drawing cards. Oh, no, she doesn't have a bigger hand. She just starts with a bigger hand is what it is, right? Oh, okay. Still, she likes drawing cards because she plays a lot of events, so... Yeah, I mean, even someone like Agnes, who may not necessarily need the card draw, might want something like this uh, just to get get her shrivelings and get her forbidden knowledge faster. Um, yeah, I mean, card draw is always good, so it's hard to, it's hard to dispute it. Uh, man, what do you think about this card? Uh, yeah, I... I... I like it. It's. I'm not sure if I would play it in Mystics. I mean, card draw is great, but it's the three costs that sort of that uh, I struggle with because the Mystics are all right. I, maybe I'm just I'm just having trouble with with Mystic resources because of the the Diana deck that I'm playing and being so resource stretched all the time. That's probably not the norm, but it just feels like spending three resources that doesn't get me that doesn't let me investigate or fight it will draw you three cards which is good but then you've got to pay for those cards on top of this and it does take an action which i'm not a big fan of cards that take an action to play and an action to use to get to get the benefit they're a little too they're a little too labor intensive intensive for for solo but i i agree that card draw is amazing and mystics could certainly use it to fish out their their stuff a lot faster i'll have to give it i'll have to i'll definitely give it a try and and see how it uh whether if whether it's worthwhile or not yes this is obviously more of a multiplayer card i think yeah it like you said it's really action intensive because you're spending an action to play it and then you're spending an action to use it and then you're you're drawing three and discarding a card where in that time you could have just drawn two yeah. cards but i think that the the thing that about this card is that it doesn't exhaust so if you play it you can you can play it use it twice so you've drawn six cards and discarded two so you get a chance to to in one if you're willing to spend the turn to do it you use can it twice essentially sculpt your hand for a turn which you know definitely has value and if you're playing it in somebody like daisy who gets that extra action you can draw nine cards and discard three and if you don't like what's in your hand at that point 
then I'm not sure what <laughs> what else you can do. I mean, if you've drawn a third of your deck in one turn and you can't find something you to like about that, then yeah, you probably don't like the thirty cards. So yeah, I mean, deck, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely value. If you're willing to commit to it, I think it could uh, you could do some good work with it. But yeah, it's yeah. Like we were talking before <laughs> the show started, you know, most of my solo games seem to be ten to twelve rounds. So oh, committing a <clears throat> man from committing Lynn. a turn to this is tough. You said before the show started. Was that when I had you laugh? Was that that time that that twilight yeah, period? That was exactly okay. that that one time. That okay, you're good. Never mind. That one time. Yeah. So far, it's been once. All you listeners. Yeah, no, I, I'm keeping track. I have Me a too. chalkboard on my wall here, and I have one. You're not going to need a lot of chalk. I like the chalk that, that came in different colors. You got like one of those like little the chalk yellow nubs. chalk. Remember those little chalk, chalk nubs? I like Do it. I've been meaning to revisit uh, Father Mateo since, since oh, I love Father Mystic's Mateo. got all the good stuff uh, this uh, cycle. He's gotten better. To get a, a lot of great cards, and Indeed. I would like to revisit Father Mateo to see if he's... Because he didn't... Uh, he wasn't... Super great the last time I played him. Well, speaking of which, I'm about to go do Depths of Yoth um, in my Forgotten Age campaign Monday, and uh, it's the furthest I've gotten. Spoilers, because that uh, uh, campaign just kicked my ass last time I played it. But in this particular campaign run, I'm doing Father Mateo, and man, it feels good. I love his ability. Good luck in Depths of Yoth. That's a. I hear it's a letdown. It's going to be a fun playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. How many people are you down, playing with? Because there's levels. Cause I miss it. Sorry, that's... that's it's okay. You and everybody else. I thought it was like an onion. I thought it was like an onion, Nathan, because it has layers. It has layers. <laughs> there's layers. How many players? There's four of us in the campaign. Oh. Whatever that means. I'll know more. I haven't played Depths of Yoth yet, so... It's important for me to A, play it so that you're all going to talk about it soon, and B, because I'm going to host a Depths of Yoth challenge at the event, October 27th, which is a Sunday at Guardian Games, which you should all come to. Have I talked about the swag? Did, did I say the official swag, or did I just kind of mention it? You just kind of mentioned it. What do we got? Uh, by the same token, uh, Chris, I've got him working on a special board. Uh, Andresia Garnier out of Canada, who does all the great uh, things on Momo Monster Co. Uh, they're on Etsy. Her fantastic mats. She's either going to do a new mat for, with an underwater theme, which people can use for Innsmouth, or if they just like the nautical theme, or she might give us some credits so people can get some free downloads. Uh, I also have some tokens coming in general. I have rule books they're already bound up i'm not i'm not sure who it was uh, off the top of my head but someone had made uh, the rule books the initial ones and then somebody else had recently done a photoshop paperback version for cheap i'm going to hook somebody up at the event with a full set of those faux free uh, and then i'm going to have some art i have a couple different pieces of art made the poster of the most recent um, event that I made done by Cole Monroe Chitty and then I also have some art done by James Sinclair who used to work at Dark Horse Comics 
And that art is unseen by anybody wow. except for me and James. And I'm going to be sending a copy of that art to Matt Newman himself, our friends at Mythos Busters, our friends at Drawn to the Flame, and of course all of us will get that as well. And it will be at the con. Very cool. So. Oh, very cool. Oh, and that's that's not even everything. I'm not even saying all the stuff in case it falls through. Needless to say, I'm going to make it uh, an event to go to every year starting this year. Uh, so, Nathan, do you have any uh, community spotlight things that of you course. wanted to mention this, yeah, this uh, month? I have a couple things. First of all, I have my quiz for the night. And then I also have my uh, community spotlight, which is fan-made investigators. Okay, so as I said earlier, I counted in my own personal supply, which apparently is wrong already. But I counted roughly 30 official investigators. And then I also counted roughly 22. Now, to be fair, there are a lot of fan-made investigators floating out there in the Etherverse because they are the quickest to make. If you get on Strange Eons right now, you can have a fan-made investigator done in roughly 20 to 30 minutes. Is it balanced? Maybe. Is it thematic? Probably. Is it cool? Yeah, always cool. What I've done is I've gone through and found a lot of the fan-made investigators that I felt had good flavor, good mechanics, not too overpowered, and printed those off. Um, for everybody here in channel, did everybody get a chance to see the picture that I posted using the crayon boxes, the, the plastic boxes that are already colored and have a snap top? Yes. Yeah, I think I saw the one that's like, you had like, all the decks assembled in the boxes. What I did was I found at a, at a yard sale these awesome crayon boxes. Apparently you can get them at Walmart. I don't know. You can definitely see them on Amazon. But um, they are just perfect for the size of an uh, investigator deck. And guess what? The colors they come in are yellow, green, this purplish color, this orangish red color, and yellow. So I went ahead and put uh, the characters in their own colors. And then I also have a lot of clear ones. Not sure what I'm doing with them because after I did Lola Hayes and my fan-made neutral investigator, I, I have a lot of uh, clear left over. But um, a really important note to make, and if you remember one thing about fan-made scenarios and fan-made investigators, it's this. You can pick a fan-made uh, investigator and not really feel a big difference. They don't have that much pull, believe it or not on the flavor and enjoyment of a scenario or a one-off. If you pick a fan-made uh, scenario, it's gonna, it's gonna feel obviously very flavorful and very strong. I say that having played a lot of the fan-made investigators and played a lot of the fan-made scenarios, uh, I will often find myself in the midst of a, you know, let's just say uh, Heart of the Elders game or uh, Oh, what was that I just did recently with a fan-made investigator? Uh, the last... Last of the Mohicans. What's the second one in on Carcosa? What the, the last what the king. Sh- Thank you. What the shit are you smoking, Vase? Last of the Mohicans. So, uh, as I was saying, yeah, that one. The the last king. What do you call it? Vase threw me off. Last king. Okay, that's what I said. So, I did the last king with... Um, Ob Laveau, which is a voodoo witch doctor a mystic that someone had made, and I forgot many times that I was playing a fan made investigator. So it's really kind of cool to test out 
the fan-made stuff and just kind of feel how it's different and build the deck around it, but you are going to get swept up in whatever scenario you're doing. So one main source of finding fan-made investigators is simply by Googling fan-made investigators for Arkham Horror, the card game. That said, uh, there's even some posted up on the uh, Fantasy Flight games, which is fantastic under the community board. One big uh, mover and shaker is Sokman on the Fantasy Flight games. Sokman had did, had done several. My favorite of Sokman's is Sadie Godfrey, the Abomination. And basically, she's a, a woman of the night who uh, was traumatized and so... Her weakness, she basically turns into uh, Miss Hyde, basically. She looks like she's got blood dripping down her mouth and on her hands. And she scares off all your um, all your other allies. And anybody who enters your location or vice versa takes a horror. So it's kind of brutal, but, but really fun to play. I like playing her. She's a survivor with a four fight. I've played her several times. Uh, another fun one is uh, from the same person, Sokman, Hosea Mayhew. He is a minor guardian, also for fight, uh, but he works with allies. He basically starts you with an additional ally slot. But I put um, with him, I put a lantern and a gravedigger shovel, uh, a leather coat. I just kind of did stuff like that where uh, it would be pretty thematic. Maybe it wasn't leather coat. Uh, it was a neutral variant. So anyway, those are a couple from Soakman. I also wanted to cover one more major influencer. Uh, and this is on Reddit's Best of Custom Cards 2017. Um, if you look that up on Board Game Geek, there's several there. There's Alma Winters, who's a rogue. Ivan Orlov, the mystic, who looks like um, Rasputin. David Emerson, who is a, a woodsman. That's the survivor. Edith Alexander is the guardian, and she only has a two-fight, and she was a precursor to Carolyn Fern. Very challenging to play, more of a supporter role. Uh, and then finally, the Seekers, Ainsley Wentzworth Esquire. He's a lawyer for the um, Seekers, and he's a lot of fun too. So... I was also going to touch on a few other fan-made ones that I enjoyed. Here's one that's going to throw you for a loop. Harry Houdini. Does anybody know the connection between Lovecraft and Houdini in real life? Yes. Ooh, Man from Lang. Lovecraft wrote for him, didn't he? Well, do he I get wrote, a point for the he quiz? He ghost wrote. He ghost wrote. You do. I'll give you a point ahead of time. Excellent. That's he ghost way. wrote Under the Pyramids, I believe. In Prison with the Pharaohs, 1924. A short story ghost written by H.P. Lovecraft featuring Houdini. Uh, and, you know, he was in the same time period, and they did end up making him a rogue with four decks. So I've tried him out, and he's fun. A little overpowered for um, the assets, but I take that into account when I play him. And then I also really like Ferdinand Fellini, who's a rogue custom-made investigator who, get this, is a knife thrower. So it's cool to have a character with this kind of neat, gypsy-like look who's good at throwing knives. I kind of like that concept. And then finally, I wanted to actually mention a friend of mine, Michael Hawkins, who I see at the store. He made a neutral investigator 
based off of uh, Stephen Leeds. And of course, I'm blanking on the book that that comes from. But Stephen Leeds basically sees spirits. So in the neutral deck that he made, you can have different spirits be in play at a given time. And I think one of his assets that he made was uh, Lemonade. And when you get this Refreshing Lemonade, it, it helps you. Yeah, Refreshing Lemonade is the asset. The bad spirit, however, the treachery is Armando. And that uh, makes you discard another spirit from play. But his stat line is, is crap. It's twos across the board. But based on the spirits you get, there's Tobias the Historian, Ivy the Psychologist, Audrey the crypto Cryptographer, and JC the Security Expert. And like you might expect, each of them gives you boosts to your stats. But of course, if you... Oh, I'm sorry. There's also Lua the Survivalist. Um, but if Her name you is Lua. L-U-A. L-U-A, uh-huh. That's my wife's name. Look at that. Well, that's interesting. Uh, and then the Refreshing Lemonade lets you choose an aspect that you did not start and play with because you can only pick a few of them. It lets you get an additional aspect into play. And, of course, if you draw Armando, that kills off one of the aspects in play. And there's two Lemonade and two aspects, or two uh, Armandos. So you never know if you're going to have a good run, good run with extra aspects or if you're going to get kind of deprived. But um, cool concept, at least. And once again, it gives, us another, it gives us another person to play with. But ultimately, you know, I have 100%. When I say I love fan-made investigators and I love fan-made scenarios, I have 100% respect for all the hard work that the people at Fantasy Flight Games do day in and day out with their marketing, with their playtesting, with bringing this game to life for us. You know, Matt Newman does a fantastic job, bar none. I just think it's also fun to add the community uh, passion and ideas to it uh, just because it, it, lets you allow, it allows you to play the game in different ways if you want to. You know, and of course nobody has to. So anyway, that's my wrap-up. I do recommend, if you haven't, Googling a few, printing them off. They're fairly cheap to do so. Someone had noticed, because uh, I posted the video of me scrolling through all of them, someone posted that I had, in fact, had one made for myself by a friend. I didn't ask him to do so. He did it for me. But um, it's pretty funny. My my asset card is uh, a clock, and it said, the quote is, time waits for one man, and it allows me to as a fast action, if I draw the card, play extra assets on my turn as kind of free actions. So just kind of a neat concept. But I'm known as the collector in my fan-made one because of, oh, I don't know, my Arkham Horror collection. Any questions <laughs> about all that jazz that I just threw at your face? So I Googled, uh, I Googled Arkham Horror fan-made investigators, and the first one that comes up is Peter Parker. Have you played this one? No, that kind of broke the fourth <laughs> wall for me. There's Peter Parker, and then there's somebody did a vampire one, which is cool. Um, I haven't printed those off just because 1920s and Peter Parker aren't quite concurrent. All right. All right. All right. But go for it. Uh, have you played Vanessa Comblanco yet by Mr. Wolf? No. she No, she's on my short list. She's fascinating because with that character... You get an entire like half the deck, half, half of a deck, the deck yeah. is is like 
you dealing with all your your baggage that you have re you know, yeah. deep within your memory and like you're dealing with uh, a villain in your memory. You're dealing with good times and bad times. It's just this roller coaster it's of like emotions. A side story, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you're playing your own thing in your head, kind of like Patrice dealing with that enemy that's hidden. She's kind of dealing with yeah. her own stuff. I mean, that. Uh, that What's cool with her though? Really I cool. thought it. I thought it would be too uh, involved with her side story to successfully do any scenario on its own. But it wasn't. It was. It was just right for some reason. It, it oh, just, cool. Yeah, it worked out just right. Like you got the side story, but it didn't interfere too much with the rest of the That's investigations. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, and I ran her through a few scenarios. So, and she was a lot of fun to play with. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I want to do one other thing with community spotlight before we move on to the quiz. Is the league League of Extraordinary Investigators? We are on season two. Uh, so you can join the league discord it's too late to join to play but if you want to watch people playing there's there's games going on every day and uh, the scores are updated every day and our very own Nate lost in time and space has joined season two I have so that's it's that's true. a lot yep. of fun and he's a champion yeah. Nate's a champion so he's gonna win go Nate thanks man yeah, we're going to crush. Yeah, Peter is going to go in with Duke and we're going to mm, I'm in last place right now. That's what's going to happen. I'm not going to I'm not going to chump up like you and sorry. I was very excited. But we're going to crush it. <laughs> I got a plan and it's going to go totally terrible. If I can beat you Nate, I'll be happy because you are the champion as man from Lang said. Uh, so I'd be happy just to finish above you. Because I'm not going to win. No, oh, I'm not going to win at all. I mean, if your first run is indicative of anything... I was in last... Not. I finished last place in season one, so that's an accomplishment. You know, it's a standout I mean, performance. Who did you play in season one? Skids. <laughs> <laughs> in Dunwich. And it, the first scenario just derailed me from... Like, it was horrible. Oh, right. You were asking for advice for... Yeah, I remember you yeah. were asking about for advice about how to what to do what to do with Essex County yeah yeah goddamn scenario and I guess I I did have a tail addendum Um, as far as the the fan made investigators someone also made a Duke (laughs) and he has it has no hand slots because it's a dog that's great but if you want to play Duke you could actually do it Uh, it's really cute you know I kind of want to and what do you all think of this I kind of want to go ahead and do you know how um, the the different podcasts did all yellow or all seeker, all purple all the time, whatever, and everybody kind of did their own and, and collaborated. I think it'd be fun to do if if each podcast or or uh, content person out there did a, a fan made on on Strange Eons, did a fan made investigator. And we gave each group a different class to focus on, including uh, someone doing a neutral one, and kind of talk That'd about fun. what people made, why they yeah, made it. Yeah, we should get in on that. Yeah, that would be, be fun. Kind of fun. We ready for the quiz? All right, here we go. You all know the rules. There are one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine cards in today's quiz. Uh, Man from Lang, refresh my memory. What did you get a point for? For uh, 
telling you what uh, Harry Houdini, the relationship between Harry Houdini and... Yes. Point one, man from Lang, mark it. All right, next question. Here we go. Otherworldly compass is the card, and here's the quote. It always points where... Finish that sentence for the quote on the card. It always points where... Etc. You where you don't want to go. Boom! Man from Lang Point. Oh, Excellent man. job. Uh, let me ask you a question. Did you in fact <laughs> Google the answer? No, I didn't. He laughed. Oh, that was a laugh. He laughed on that one. Wow. I was watching his bar. That was his laugh. Mark it. <laughs> two two hours, three minutes, thirty seconds. Episode eight. Great old ones gaming. Boom! Yep. I retire. I'm done. Nathan wins okay, the quiz. And I have two points. I didn't know it would be freaking Otherworldly Compass, a.k.a. the humor card for Canadians <laughs> that got that one. But good job. Nathan, Nathan wins. Good job. I'm proud of you. All right. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Whose tagline is Deals with Devils? Um, uh, Diana uh, Esperance. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Boom. Another point, man from Lang. On I fire. I don't know what kind of fire uh, firefighting systems you employ up in the great North country of Canada, but you might want to call them. Next one. There is one, and I repeat, one weakness that has handcuffs in the picture. Name it. Oh. A stubborn detective? Boom. Yes. Point. Nate. Good job. I'm just going to make some piles of points up here. I would have also accepted uh, a random card that I, I uh, don't know the name of. All right, here we go. Next one. Ooh, this one's a tough one. I'm going to read the quote. You tell me the card. And I don't know if anybody will get this, listener or podcasters, okay? Open your eyes and listen to your shadow. You said it's a player card or encounter card? Right. Uh, it's a player card. Open your eyes and listen to your shadow. Isn't that the weirdest effing quote? Any guesses? The window's closing. Why is something... Hmm. I'm going to say haunted. It said player card. Okay. Le- At least he stepped up to the base, face. <laughs> Uh, Alright, I'll just tell you, otherwise this will drag on. The Moon Tarot card. When the game begins, if the moon is in your opening hand, put it into play. Get a dodge. Open your eyes and listen to your shadow. That, that was a weird one. Alright, next. Please name the card that features a garot. Oh, um backs no not backs up uh sneak attack. Boom, base, point. I'm going to make a little pile for base. It's right here by your front door. All right. Now, this one might be easy, might be difficult. For the card trusted, guardian card, there are two investigators in dire straits. Please name how many flashlights and how many guns are in the picture. Two flashlights, two guns. One flashlight, gun, one gun. Two flashlights and one gun. Was that both Nate and Man from Lang saying two and two? No, I said one and one. I said two flashlights, two... One flashlight, I said two one flashlights, gun. one gun. I said two flashlights, two guns. Okay. Point, base. And answered first. Double the flashlight. Well, and, and you have to understand that so many people have flashlight because it was in the corset. Okay, doing great. Three questions left. How, how are we looking? 
Man from Lang at three. Nate at one. Vase at two. It's anyone's game. Here we go. Uh, this one's a quote. We should have thrown it back immediately, but how could we have oh. known? Oh, I know this one. Uh, That's so... Oh. Saying I know this one does not count as an answer. Grizzly Totem? Boom, hey. Nate, two points. Good job. As in two total. I'm so not two, 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 and three? Wow. All right. Okay. Two, two, and three. Lang's still killing it. Good job. All right, here we go. Hemispheric map has great wording down below, has some pips, has some experience. But there are two things in the picture along with the map. What are those two objects? A compass and a magnifying glass. That's a good answer. But not correct. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a compass you said the map already, right? Not the map is one map. of the things in the hemispheric map picture. I, I kinda get a look look to the listeners. You know, like like they do in the office, like like really. Okay, go ahead. So the map and the compass, right? Or are you saying the map counts? In addition count. to the map, there are two. In addition to the map, so the the compass is clearly a, a correct answer. Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and a hat. Okay, Nate. Anything? Um, I know, I know. <laughs> you looked it up, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Forever. Although um, mentally, no, I, I'll give I you won't. Half I point. won't tell. Mentally, I'll give you half point. No, I won't tell. I'll tell you. It was a uh, compass and a pencil. These are good questions. Oh. Like I should get paid extra for this. I don't. So I actually haven't from received Langen, a paycheck as of yet. So do do men from Langen oh, that's each a, that's get a half a point? Nope. Good because try. we both All said right, compass. Oh. <clears throat> Shut it. All right, here we go. Ritual candles. How many candles are in the picture? Five. Two. What the hell? Three? Your guesses. That is correct. Nate. Boom. Tie in with Man from Lang. I kind of feel like we need a tiebreaker. I kind of feel like we need a tie. Hold on one second. I got an idea. If I got half a point from no, Hemispheric Map, yeah, it wouldn't be a tie. Let's see. <laughs> uh, okay. Here we go. Everybody, clear your minds. Uh, Vase, you are disqualified from this insta insta win point. Why? Nate, I could tie. It could be a three way tie. Shut it. Somebody mute him. All right, here we go. Nate and Man from Lang. First one to mention one of the fan made investigators I talked about wins. Go. Uh, wasn't Peter Parker? Harry Houdini. Boom. Nate. What the? What are you, what are you dying to do, Peter Parker? I didn't. Although, if anybody out there plays Peter Parker and has a good time, please let us know. Right to face, he'll get you a prize. Excellent job, everybody. That was probably the closest, most exciting, I mean, except for Vase, the closest, most exciting uh, trivia round we've done yet. And for the fans out there that got some of those correct, fun fact, my question for Ritual Candles was actually going to be after you had all said three, because I thought it was kind of obvious. But since you didn't know, I let that be the question. The actual question was going to be, how many of the candles are lit? Two. Two. Man from Lang. Bonus point. Technically, you're tied, but we've already called the winner. So, good job, everybody. No, that's because I looked. That's because I looked it up. <laughs> uh, okay. So, hey, real quick, uh, and and fans can write in if they have 
strong opinions either way, but how do you feel about the way I kind of do the questions? Some quotes, some uh, pictures, some I like, weird I like a mix. A mix? Like a Chex mix? The, oh, I, I love Chex mix. Cool. Right? I had that earlier Especially today. Especially those bagel uh, chips. The bagel, bagel cheese fix. No, you're no, wrong. The, cheese the bagel chips. One. Oh, and the wheat. The cheese fix. Was it the, the wheat? Fix is the, the wheat Chex mix part in there. The, the darker brown ones? Those are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good. What? Yeah. No. Base, just someone remute him. Please. It's wrong. It's 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 fine. <laughs> Everybody did a good job though. Uh, Base, even though you didn't win, I thought you had uh, some good presence there. Good job. Proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, at least I can do. Appreciate it. <laughs> so. Well, with uh, with that, that's gonna end tonight's episode. Does uh, any of you guys have anything to say before we wrap things up here? Or? I mean, I just want to say how much I appreciate uh, being on this podcast with all y'all makers and lovers of the game Arkham Horror, and hope to see some of you at the event. And for those I don't see at this year's event, yeah, hopefully you'll make it for next year's. Check out that Delta Green game that we're posting. It's a lot of Absolutely. fun. Absolutely, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited about that. It's too. only part one. There's still Probably two to three more parts to edit, so. Yeah. But it was so much fun. It was such a blast. Yeah. Uh, the first episode is about an hour and a half long, so if you got a long car drive, that's, that's a good listen. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And other than that, uh, yeah, we're going to be hosting Beneath the Waves uh, Cthulhu 27th of 2019 so you can find us there next month and with that we're going to end tonight's episode uh, as always I'm Nate Lost in Time and Space I am the man from Lang host of the uh, Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin of the Twisted Tentacle Inn and I'm Nathan Early at Guardian Games on Arkham Central and on the Instagram at Arkham Horror Images of Madness Thank you so much for listening.